What's up? It's Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Thanks for listening to the Under the Hood podcast presented by Coors Light. Stay inside and buy your Coors Light online. Find out how at get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, take time to chill. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. How you doing? Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. So glad that you are with us. Let's talk NBA. Let's go to NBA TV and NBA.com with Sekou Smith. And he joins me here on ESPN 1000. Sekou, as always, I appreciate it, my man. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, no problem, man. It's good to talk to you. I know it's a weird time for everybody, but, you know, still got these conversations about the game, man. I'm, I'm cherishing that stuff. No, no, absolutely. So, so first question off the top of my head is just like, how's the hair right now? How, how you doing hair wise? You know what? I got a my barber comes over and cuts on the deck. Uh, that's one of the few things <laughs> you know. He it's all done safely. You know, with gloves and my wife has disinfected the whole block, so we never worry about germs. <laughs> like we got this down to a science, but I'm getting I'm getting these naps cut. Uh, you know, every other week now. That's not going to stop. See, I, I don't have that luxury. Everything's shut down here in this small town that we call Chicago, uh, this horse this horse and buggy town in Chicago. So we, uh, I'm, we're we waiting for the 1st of June before everything is open up. So i am got this uh, – I'm, I'm rocking the Afro wow. for the first time since so like 84, 85. So it's, it's, it's tough right now. Wow. Well, you know, it's weird. My, my barber and I, for a year, he's been talking about going to strictly mobile cut and – so it just happened at the time when it when the pandemic hit, he had already kind of scaled his business into mobile cut, and um, it's been beneficial for him. Obviously, uh, beneficial for me, just not having to walk around looking like Captain Caveman. You know, uh, no offense <laughs> to the folks out there that can't get a haircut, but I can't do it, bro. I'm, my hair doesn't grow enough in a week's time for me to really get any substantial wolfy growth anyway. Right. So like, I'm just trying to maintain. Man. I'm just trying to keep it under control. I understand. Well, you could be, you could pop on NBA TV at any time, though. So that's the thing. Like they could call you any moment. You got to go in studio. Yeah. For me, you know, I'm just, I'm up here like, you know, Freddie Boom Boom Washington, looking, you know, looking rugged right now, looking terrible. <laughs> so that's a problem, man. So I, I can't, I I can't wait till I be able to see my my old J- uh, Jamaican man that can be able to to get this this fro cut because it's it's not going well. Say, cool. I'm just telling you right now. Um, so, so based on who you talk to, uh, around the league mm-hmm. as, as an insider, you tell me what, what are people telling you about when the league could resume? Most everybody I've talked to believes that, you know, we're going to be into July before you see a live game, um, on a resumption of, of any portion of the 2019, 2020 season. The tough part about it, Jay Hood, is that everybody is operating on theories. You know, players are talking to each other. They have theories about what's going to happen, how it's going to happen. Um, the league is working through every contingency. So you have a lot of front office people and executives and scouts and, and coaches who are kind of operating on what they're hearing. And then you got folks like us who are in the media and, then, you know, with the networks who have an idea of what we think might happen. But it really comes down to science. You know, it's going to be about what, the medical professionals tell the league is is 
feasible. And, and then it's going to have to run through each and every state, you know. And that's why they're talking about having this in Florida because Florida's already opened the doors. I'm not heard of that matter, you know, a person in the league about when and when you can do it. Thank you, Smith, from NBA TV and NBA.com with Jonathan Hood on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. I- I've been seeing a lot of these um, experiment format changes for whatever happens when we resume. And I, I-, I-, Seku, I couldn't care less about exactly what the format is. I'm just ready for basketball to start as long as everyone's safe. My whole thing is as long as it can be as safe as possible, I'm good with it. I don't care how it comes back. You've seen a lot of these, right? There's a there's a soccer format. There's you know there's a one through sixteen format. Is there anything that stands out to you in which you like to see when the NBA resumes? Yeah, I just like to see on each side, just like we normally have, thrown into the you know East West mix, play best of seven, and let's decide to just go straight to the playoffs and and do what you've always done. I I don't know that I need. All of these wild contingency theories to, to feel good about a season coming back. If you just give me my non playoff format, best of seven, yes, he's crowned a champion, whatever we finish rounds, I'm good. Like, and, and I understand the need, some people think, uh, to spark interest, to, to get people riled up. But if we learn nothing about this, you know, the public starving for some something compelling to watch in regards to basketball. Just look at the last dance. Look how they had people captivated week after week waiting on the, these next episodes. I mean, I think the hunger is there. And it, you don't have to give people um, something that's dressed up with extra whipped cream and syrup and <laughs> sprinkles. I mean, just give me a bowl of ice cream. I'm good. I don't, you can leave all the other stuff off. Uh, how vital do you believe LeBron's influence is on something getting done from his from his standpoint? Um, no disrespect to LeBron, but this is one time where even the, the you know the most high profile or influential player in the game, whatever his wants and desires are, are going to be sidelined because, of, like I said, if you're the league, if you're the league's partners. You can't afford to go on the whims of any one human being that doesn't have an M and a D after his name. You got to be dealing with science and the medical doctors and everybody who has any sort of experience, you know, in in keeping the public health. Um, if you left it up to the players, Jonathan, they they would have been ready to get back at it probably sooner, much sooner than this. I mean, mm-hmm. they're competitive. They're in the most of them in the primes of their careers or, you know, either getting into them or on the back ends of it, they don't want to miss a day. They don't want to miss two months, three months of basketball. So their desires have to be put in the proper context, and you have to lead with the science. And, I, you know, I didn't pay enough attention in high school um, to know exactly what we're dealing with, but I'm I'm sufficiently worried about anything that doesn't involve taking every necessary precaution to keep people safe. Seku Smith with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. I um, I, I am looking forward to seeing how the league is going to return, and it's if it's going to be in Orlando, that seems interesting. And I've also read, uh, Seku, where 
uh, some of the players want to have their families to come along because I know that that was a bone of contention, right? Trying to figure out, like, okay, if we're going to be sequestered and quarantined in this spot in Orlando and playing here, can you know what's going to happen to my family? Can I be able to go out? Can I bring my family? So it looks like that that's part of the conversation as well. Yeah, I don't want to be crass, but I mean, we've since mid March, we've all been, but most you know, most people have been sheltered in place with their family. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think we've had sufficient time to be with our families, and if everybody's safe and feel secure about your loved ones, and then being safe and sound with you all doing whatever you got to do to, to resume the season, I don't, I don't understand why that would be an issue. I really don't. I think. The players are going to have to think about this in the same way that everybody else involved is thinking about it. There are going to be sacrifices that have been made, you know, by a lot of people in order for us to get the basketball back. One of those might be you not having that group of people around that you, you know, come to lean on. Um, it's, it's kind of always being your inner circle and being right there for you because this is different. I mean, we're gonna, it's going this will be a change in itself. Just playing in the satellite city. You know, in, in the bubble, as some people like to call it, everything in that one environment. So, I mean, I think that's one of the things you'll have to sacrifice if you're a player. Some of those creature comforts that you're used to in the regular playoff setting where you can travel your family, friends, and they can go from city to city and game to game. Maybe that has to go away, you know, in in, in any scenario that involves us getting basketball back. I, and, again, I don't mean that to be disrespectful to people and how they feel about their families. But everybody, in order to get back, back, there are a bunch of other people, not just the players, who have to be on site in Orlando or at least in support of what's going on in Orlando to get done. And if that requires them not being around their families every day, they're going to have to do it. That's their job. So I think the players should take that into account as well when we talk about what they need to be comfortable enough to go to work and play for however long it takes to crown a champion. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's not like Doug Christie's wife is in the league, so I don't even understand why this is even a... <laughs> <laughs> I just, all I know is I think there are a lot of guys who... They, the, the idea of having your family around is, is really important to them, and I get yeah. that. But for the amount of time for you know for a playoff run that's going to you know, start in July at some point and over the next couple months, you'll see your family soon enough. Depending on how long you last in the playoffs, but if you if you want to chase that championship, you got to make sacrifices. And, and unfortunately for everybody, this is one of those times where that's going to have to be the sacrifice you make. I just want to be able to whiteboard that for everybody. You should be able to know what that reference is. If you've watched not even just one episode <laughs> of Basketball Wives, Doug Christie's wife was always around <laughs> Doug where he couldn't even breathe. He couldn't even move from side to side. She was always there. Uh, she was a a a, a loving wife. Uh, to, to the nth degree, uh, for sure. She was always around, so there was there was never a, a parting of the ways between uh, Doug and his and his wife. As we talk <laughs> about the NBA right here on ESPN One Thousand and the ESPN uh, Chicago app with Sekou Smith, is there a storyline that you were looking forward to before COVID nineteen? Something that you're watching in March? You say, like, okay, this is going to lead into something. Yeah, I mean that that last bang bang up weekend we had where LeBron and the Lakers. You know, beat Giannis and the Bucks on a Friday night, and then they beat back the Clippers on a Sunday. Like, we got a chance to see the three teams who most people consider their favorites in action. You know, we got a chance to see all three of them. You know, the Lakers obviously playing both other contenders. Um, but that gave us a real idea of whatever grind we had to go through to get to the finals. If we got 
whatever combination of those teams, it was going to be something special. And I'm hoping that this time off is allow everybody to heal up. You know, the Clippers were a little banged up before we finished. The Lakers were in good health. Giannis was a little banged up. Like, if this time off is giving everybody a chance to get healthy and be ready to play, and all they got to do now is, you know, three or four weeks to get into, you know, reasonable game shape and get back to what we were watching when we stopped, I'm with it. Um, I think stuff like the rookie of the year race that was starting to get really interesting with, you know, John Moran and Zion is, is nice. That was a nice subplot, but. You know as well as I do, when you look at the calendar and we get to June and July, we we got one thing on our mind. You know, who's going to win the championship? And to me, the sooner we get back to that, the better. Because that's all this come, comes June 1st and July 1st and mid-July. I don't care about all the other stuff. I want to know who's got the guts to, to, you know, to win that marathon and hold up that Larry O'Brien coach. Lastly, Sekou, and I appreciate your time. Um, I'm sure it's been weighing heavily on you like it has me, this George um, Floyd story. Um, you know, <laughs> I saw that on the jump on ESPN, they were uh, talking about it. There was Jay Williams and Paul Pierce talking about it. And that, yeah, I will talk about it in, in only in this basketball term, only in this way, uh, that it is uh, refreshing in 2020 and just during the silver era of the NBA in which players can be able to speak out on issues such as this, because, you know, watching that video and, and reading about what's going on in Minneapolis and talking to people up there, uh, it is, it's a microcosm of, of uh, many cities in this country. And it's just, um, just heavily disappointing, but I'm glad that there's others speaking out. I guess that is a, direct divide between the Stern and, and uh, the Silver era in which Adam Silver is understanding that players need to speak out on, on issues of this sort, and I'm, I'm glad that they have a voice. I, I think it's a sign of the times, to be honest with you. Um, and Karan Butler and I were on my podcast this afternoon uh, talking about this very I asked him what changed, you know, what's changed in the times since he came into the league to now that he's a retired player and one of the, the main guys out there speaking out about these sorts of issues. Mm-hmm. And it's the brands, and and I thought it was very interesting that he brought that up. That it's a brand change. There was a time when the brands, and I mean the brands that sponsored players, sponsored the league, didn't want to hear from the players in this regard, in this arena. They didn't want to hear about what you thought about social issues or, you know, police brutality or injustices that go on around the world or in our community. And, and that shift to me, has been one of the truly um, groundbreaking and game-changing developments that has occurred in this last generation. You know, we can say whatever we want about the ills of big-money pro sports and whatever that spawns. The one thing we have gotten from this current generation and hopefully generations come is an ability to speak truth to power, um, to point out when injustices uh, are being inflicted upon certain communities. And since they are our most high-profile citizens in a lot of cases, in some of these markets, in these cities, they damn sure should be able to say their piece about what's going on. And I have the utmost respect for these guys for stepping out into that space and, and speaking what's on their minds and what's on their hearts. Well, I'm glad you spent some time, Sekou. I can't wait for the season to start whenever that is, but it uh, looks like it's going to come a little closer uh, to the uh, negotiations happening where we can be able to see basketball again. 
Yeah, man. And listen, if if you go any further than June first without a haircut, man, I'll, I'm gonna get my barber to get on his network, call somebody in Chicago, and get that stuff off you. Man. We can't have you run around looking like that. I know it's not great, man. I need some help. <laughs> somebody help me. <laughs> no haircut since since March first. That doesn't make any sense, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't even want to think about that. I'd be going crazy right now. Okay. <laughs> I was I went through the Walgreens and I was thinking about it. Hmm, S curl maybe S curl. <laughs> I got enough to do it. <laughs> All right, man. By any means necessary. <laughs> Thank you, man. Appreciate it. All right, man. Seku Smith from NBA TV and <laughs> with us on Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN One Thousand, Chicago's home for sports. Under the Hood podcasts are available now on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. Available on your device now. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Looks like the NHL's got their business underway pretty soon here. A 24-team playoff format uh, is in the works for the National Hockey League. That seems interesting. I hate to be that guy. And we're going to hear from Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the NHL, in just a second. I hate to be that guy, Davis, but I will say this. that You know, for a sport that was looking for attention, and it's it's great that Gary Bettman feels like everything is, is put in place where the NHL can return and they're going to be able to find a city in Canada and possibly Las Vegas for a United States city to be able to sequester their hockey players and their teams. Um... I don't know how much this will move the meter. And this is not a Blackhawks Colleton thought. This is just an NHL thought. As much as I've gotten on Major League Baseball for being behind the times, being the I Love Lucy of sports, Gary Bettman has been at this as a commissioner for that league for a long time and has had an opportunity outside of the All-Star game and maybe the Stanley Cup final to be able to grow the sport a lot more, not internationally, just not internationally. I'm talking about in the United States. And it's great that Vegas has a team because you could just see there's some electricity there with the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, when the Blackhawks were good, of course, it was important for uh, an original six team to be able to win as often as the Blackhawks was. It was a resurgence to see the Blackhawks in that spot. New York, the Islanders and the Rangers, and again, just kind of... Um, not that same uh, energy that the Blackhawks had in the Quinville administration. But I, I would just say that it, if the NHL comes back and they're going to come back first, fine. But what happens to the, to the sport? Does it grow anymore just because they might be the first back from the coronavirus? Yeah, that's the question. Um, some thoughts from Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the NHL, uh, detailing the playoff format. The top four teams in each conference will claim automatic berths in the first round of the playoffs. They will play intra-conference round robins, each playing the other three teams to determine their respective seeds in the first round. These games will be played with regular season overtime and shootout rules, with ties in the final standings broken by regular season points percentage. The remaining eight teams in each conference will play in best-of-five qualifying round series to determine which four in each conference advance to the first round of the playoffs. 
The matchups for these series, again, are based on points percentage at the time of the pause. These games will be played with playoff overtime rules. Once the round robin and qualifying rounds are completed, we will conduct conference-based playoffs in each hub city. The winners of the qualifying round robins will advance to the first round with each opposing one of the round robin teams. Since we have endeavored to be sensitive to players' preferences, the matchups for the first round series remain to be set as the return to play committee is still discussing whether to determine them through seating or via a bracket. In addition, the return to play committee is still discussing the lengths of the first and second round series and whether the second round matchups will be determined through seating or via bracket. In any scenario, the conference finals and Stanley Cup final will be best of seven. The sites of the conference finals and Stanley Cup final remain to be determined, although based on what we know today, we expect those series to be played in one of the two hub cities. We believe we can get the qualifying and first two rounds of the playoffs completed in little over a month. So Gary Bettman, the commissioner for the NHL, speaking there about details of the playoff format, and they have not come up with the cities, the hub cities that they want to have just as of yet. Um, according to Bill Daly, who was the NHL de- uh, deputy commissioner uh, uh, yesterday, our medical advisors believe that a single positive test of COVID-19, depending on the circumstance, should not necessarily shut down the whole operation. Uh, obviously, we can be in a situation where we have an outbreak that will affect our ability to play, but a single positive test throughout a two-month tournament should not necessarily mean an end for the tournament. Does the NHLPA concur with that outlook on positive tests? You know, Fear says, our view and my view is it's pretty simple. If we have, a pos- if we have positive tests, we consult with the appropriate medical people uh, and the local public health authorities when appropriate, and they will tell us what we need to do. I believe that the UFC has a model that some of these uh, team these sports can be able to use, and the model is if someone has COVID nineteen, uh, we're going to keep it moving. <laughs> like they're not shutting down the operation, as we didn't know anything about COVID nineteen in March uh, when we saw the NBA, the first one, really the uh, the guinea pig of all of this, with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Um, we didn't know about it, so the NHL, the NFL, the NBA, the coffee's just kicked in. The NBA, along with other sports, they uh, shut down because we were not aware of COVID nineteen. So, um, so I think that because of the UFC, when they had their big two, uh, UFC two forty nine event, if you recall, there were three people with COVID nineteen. It was a fighter and two people that worked uh, on the camera crew for ESPN Plus. And Dana White said, "Oh, okay. Well, we're going to just keep it moving. We're still going to have our event." And so when that question comes up, what happens? What if, right? What if there is a positive test? Well, they're going to uh, sequester and and put that person in quarantine, and they're going to keep testing people to make sure that they're safe, and then they're just going to keep it moving. They're going to have their event. I I just, um, I have a question. This is not cynicism. It's just a real question about science, about all these tests, and, and do you have enough tests to be able to make sure that not just the players. See, we're so myopic, and I'll put myself in that situation because what do you and I talk about the most? We talk about the players. That's the whole thing. We're talking about the players. But we've also got to think about the people that are working around these players, not just coaches, 
But yet the amount of personnel and people that are in these buildings uh, in which these events take place, what if they get sick? What if the people uh, uh, that are around the team that's not has no affiliation with the team but just work in the building, what if they get sick? Right? So what does that mean? Does that mean that it's okay, just keep it moving? Or is that a serious issue? And that's something that we have to be concerned with. The players will always be tested. I always concern myself with the people around the players. I think that's fair to think about. You know, and that that's the thing. Because if you have some kind of outbreak where there's several people with COVID-19 that may not even be on the team, it may not even be amongst the coaches, but just a few other people, does that mean that the whole sport shuts down? And that's, that's, that's the thing. Remember, every time you turn on the news, every time you turn on social media, you're seeing videos of a lot of people that don't believe in this COVID-19. Like it's like no matter the numbers, no matter that it's over 100,000 people, we, listen, I, I, you can't turn a blind eye to it because COVID-19 and sports are synonymous. This, is, this isn't political. This isn't about the aisle. F the aisle. I'm not concerned about the aisle on what side of the aisle you're on with this. It's just about life and death. And I'm, I don't want... Uh, for the players that we watch or for you to have to deal with that personally. And I, w- I hope that you wouldn't want that for me either. I, wouldn't, I want you to deal with COVID-19 and then be able to be sick because of, I got to get back to the games or I got to be able to get back. Listen, it's about your safety. It's funny. Uh, the topic that we did on Under the Hood, I brought to Cap and Company when I sat in with Jesse on Friday, uh, the right before Memorial Day weekend, Jesse and I did a show. And I did the topic of if if you had your druthers, knowing that Wrigley Field or Guaranteed Raid or Miller Park or Comerica, whatever games that you go to, if you knew that, uh, that the games were starting tonight, if you knew that you can get a ticket, you can go to the games, would you go? And just like 75% of the calls we had said, yeah, I'd go. I'd go right now without a mask and, I, and not afraid of it. That's cool. Some people don't mind dying. Some some people are good as long as they have the entertainment. If they die, they're good with it. And some people are not con- also not concerned about your safety or my safety with this COVID nineteen going around. It, it it's it is a, a interesting world we live in in twenty twenty for real. It's an interesting world that that we live in. Like I would never want you to feel uncomfortable if we're sitting next to each other restaurant, going to games, at the bar. I wouldn't want you to be uncomfortable. Absolutely not. Because I don't know you, you don't know me, but we get a chance to know each other. Especially if we're talking sports, I would never want you to feel uncomfortable. But some people couldn't care less about that. The selfishness permeates our world. Not in every corner of our world. Not every corner of our society. But it, it is interesting how selfishness is there. Like, I would never want to put you in a position where I would get you sick. And then, as I said that, there was someone that said, well, you know, you could have went to a game and there was someone that had the flu. You probably didn't know it. Yeah, but I can get a shot for that. I can't get a shot for COVID-19. <laughs> it's just, it's just like, wow. The more information that we have, <clears throat> it is amazing. The more information that we have as human beings that we can look up and or ask people that know science, that know health, the more uh, of an opportunity for us to be able to reach out to people that know more than we do, the dumber we get. 
<laughs> I'm just going to tell you about science I learned four weeks ago from WebMD. That's what I'm going to do. Instead of the th- people that's been studying this crap for 30, 40 years. I've learned about this for the last four days, so I'm going to tell you about science. What? There's no way that I would want to get you sick. That's why I wear a mask. <laughs> and, and if you don't want to do the same for me, that's fine. That's, this is, that's your right. But also, I know that you're selfish, that you couldn't care less about my health or the people around me. But I care about you because I, I don't want to get sick, and I don't want you to get sick either. But, but it's just uh, – but this is – what is going on here? The NHL and the NBA is trying to figure things out, Major League Baseball, and they're all going to try to push this forward. Hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed that once we do get sports back, man, that we'll be able to enjoy. It won't be the same because it won't be in our particular city, but hopefully we'll be able to enjoy uh, it on television. It won't be the same, clearly. But, man, it would be nice to know that all the athletes that we're watching um, are safe, and healthy, and they can entertain us because that's what we look forward to. More on Major League Baseball as far as its imminent return next. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. So glad that you're with us. Full show tomorrow between 7 and 10 and also on Friday night. Hope that you can be with us here. Um, so Chris Singleton, former White Sox player and broadcaster and one of the voices for baseball on ESPN, uh, joined Jesse Rogers and I on Friday to talk about um Major League Baseball and its return, we talked to Chris and asked him the question about, you know, what do you, what would it be like for Major League Baseball players for the first time to play in front of empty stadiums? If you go back um, a couple of months ago, I think when everything was you know, really turning and the uncertainty was growing as far as just life and society and everything else, um, I think the, the contrast for a player, it was – immense in terms of, wow, okay, if we do play, we have no fan. I think having been in this situation for, you know, a couple of months now, and because there's this famine of, you know, sport and live entertainment and being able to do, you know, what you were born to do and what your livelihood is, I think everyone pivots a bit now and says, hey, whatever, whatever we can do to get back on the field, um, you know, that's, that, that's what we're going to do. And, and really, my thought on, you know, as a former player and even players today, these are the best in the world at what they do. And what makes them successful is their ability to make adjustments and make adjustments quickly, especially at the big league level. So this will be another adjustment that's made. And there are times that, you know, whether it's spring training on a backfield or maybe it's in the, the spring training stadium where you're having an inter-squad game, there are no fans, uh, you find a way uh, to still create some type of camaraderie, some type of energy, uh, because when it comes down to it, it's about the game. It's about playing the game, throwing the ball, hitting the ball, catching the ball, those things. The fans are wonderful and they're great, 
Uh, but ultimately, it still comes down to you know that very core thing. And, and I think the players uh, will adjust. I, I would imagine that ballparks um, and their you know in-house PA and everything else will will do their best to create um, a sound system and an environment that pumps some type of energy you know, into the ballpark. Um, so I, I would imagine teams are working on that and, and there'll be some creative things uh, that are done as well to help players get maybe a little bit of that boost. What what could it look like in terms of the competition on the field? Like, I worry about no fans, you lose a little adrenaline, but like you said, you adjust a little bit, but uh, you got to restart spring training, but it's not going to look like a normal spring training. You're not going to get that competition you, you'd get playing every day. You're going to play inter-squad probably. I mean, do you worry about sloppy play, four-and-a-half-hour games, or do you not even worry about it because it's baseball? No, Jesse, I think it's a great uh, great question, great perspective in terms of just the adrenaline that's there because I, I could envision, all right, we're coming together for spring training. We're going to have this you know, makeshift, modified season, we're not going to have fans. Um, From that standpoint of, you know, getting yourself geared up, right? Because when you go to spring training, you're preparing yourself, and then there's this point where you're getting yourself geared up for opening day. And I don't care if you're at the bottom of a division or you're the top of division, everyone's geeked up for opening day and sort of that, you know, opening home series, if you will. And not having that to sort of look forward to in the fashion that, you've always been used to, I think there is a possibility for, um, I would say, increased injury uh, for players because of an abbreviated, you know, sort of spring training, but then also um, just not having the juices flowing to that level. um, You know, it's a concern for me. And I'm also looking at depth um, for, you know, in support for those major league rosters. What's that going to look like in terms of, you know, triple A, you know, double-A players uh, that are available to be inserted, what level are they able to, to sort of stay sharp, get sharp, stay sharp at? And and there, there are a lot of questions. I mean, a really a, a ton of questions. And uh, I think there's still as much unknown uh, today as there was a month ago about how this will all shake out. Chris, so we'll just put you in this situation. It's It's 2020. And you have a choice on whether you want to play or not. I mean, in this situation, knowing how serious COVID nineteen is, based on your salary, would you would you play if you were had your druthers? I think so. I, I think I would play. And, and again, you know, I respect every perspective, opinion, belief, and it's going to vary from one household to the next, um, one player and family to the next, and and their circumstances that surround. Um, them exposing themselves in this way. So, you know, it's not a cookie cutter by any means. Uh, is every player situation the same? But I would say for me personally, um, where I'm at and, and my, you know, even if I was to roll back to, to, you know, when I was still playing and what my um, supporting cast looked like in terms of family, friends, and all those things, uh, I think that I would play, especially you get to a certain point where when you think about these athletes and the mindset and the commitment and the determination that they have, you get to a certain point where it's like, I'm either going to die doing what I love doing. And I, and I'm saying that is sort of an exaggeration. I'm going to die doing what I love doing rather than die because I can't do what I want to do, you know? Um, and, and I think there comes, there comes that point 
and when you have athletes as well, we've seen it over the years, all the, the, the trouble and, and bad choices athletes have made because of that feeling of being invincible. Um, at least this is a decision if they decide to make, which is within sort of acceptable confines as opposed to, Hey, I'm going to go out, you know, street racing on a uh, crotch rocket motorcycle because, you know, because <laughs> I can, you know what I'm saying? Right. Or I'm going to do something, you know, this is at least, Hey, you know what? You're doing something that you should be doing. Um, if you want to look at, you know, taking a greater risk, this is within the acceptable confines of doing it. And, and I think that uh, for me personally, I would, my uh, perspective on, you know, whether it's uh, immunity, you know, um, whole food nutrition, holistic med, all those things for me, I would be, yeah, let's do it. And, and beyond that, and I think like a lot of players, their wives would be kicking them out the door. <laughs> it's time for you to go to work for multiple reasons. Let's, There's no doubt our last know, guest, Brandon Kinsler, would, would qualify in that in that category. There's 1,200 players if you include, you know, all the 40-man rosters. So there's going to be a lot of different opinions. But and there's probably is a there are probably a few players that that believe it's probably not worth it. You know that may you know it's 82. We got to jump through hoops with the health protocols. Maybe we just restart in 21. Is the type of player just most likely the veteran who's made a lot of money that that has a family? Is that the guy that's most likely going to say, or do you think it could be any any mix? Young guys, old guys, Latin American guys, whatever. Um, I, I view the guy with a lot of money as the guy that's most likely to say, let's just come back in 21. Yeah, I think a couple different uh, thoughts on that. I, I, I would say the guy that's most likely to you know, say I'm good is the guy who's clearly on the backside of his career, um, doesn't have uh, much of a um, financial loss, let's say, compared to what he was making before. Um, you know, at the peak of his career and for a good part of his career. I would say that's the guy that I would just off the cuff would put in that box to say, yeah, that's the most likely guy to say, yeah, you know what, I'm good, I'm done. Because what else you have is you have, let's say, the younger player that's trying to establish himself as a big league player. He's got to go to work. Like, you know, he, he's, he has to. He's got, I mean, that's, that's just the fight. The other guys, let's say you have the security of the contract and you're making, you know, a lot. What's going to happen is the majority of the players, you know, let's say there's an agreement here and there are 20, 30, 40 players that are like, ah, I'm, not, I'm not down with this. I don't want to. They're going to be pressured from a public, um, you know, perspective. Oh, wow, you're holding out. You got, so there'll be pressure. There'll be a good number that are pressured into it. Um, that they've got to play, and I think that ends up just dominoing. So I don't really see a scenario unless, um, you know, unless there's there's just someone that has a real health concern um, that they're not playing. But I think everyone's playing except for maybe a, a couple of guys that are on the backside of that career, not making a whole lot compared to what they made before. Um, but I think everybody else is going to be in. Even after some kicking and screaming, they're going to be right. in. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to Under the Hood. Get the ESPN Chicago app for podcasts and the live stream from anywhere. 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 Download in the app store today. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. 
Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. But for those of you that have listened to me over the years, you know I'm a huge college football fan. We love hosting the um, the college football show, Chicago's College Tailgate, I do with uh, Chris and Adam. We always have a fun time doing that show every year. And um, I knew that when we were going through this pandemic, that at some point the SEC would be heard from as far as when we will be able to see college football again. And if you've been watching some of the maps or just looking at the, which states are open or which states are opening slowly, the South is open for business uh, for the most part, a number of these cities. And so when it comes to the, uh, the SEC, you knew the South would try to do its best to get players back on the field because those amongst some of those college cities in the South, those are the ones that opened up first. So that, that didn't surprise me. I just don't know in what way and uh, what college football will look like. It was just empty sta- stadium, a few fans. I'm not sure what that looks like. I'm not even sure what it looks like for the NFL when it gets to the fall. Um, but some thoughts from uh, a number of people, including Adam Rittenberg, who's been a friend and a guest on this program. Adam Rittenberg covers college football for ESPN.com. Uh, he said testing will be the most important aspect. Testing and the availability of testing is really key here. And talking to a Big Ten president and a couple people on the Infectious Diseases Task Force that's advising the Big Ten, you know, they brought up the fact that most of these schools feel confident there'll be enough testing, especially when the fall rolls around, to test these athletes and everybody on their staff on a consistent basis to avoid that outbreak. That's what's going to ultimately derail seasons or take teams out of the rotation for a couple of weeks at a time. This is not where you can look at baseball or the NHL where everyone's in this bubble, right? There's this Petri dish of a whole bunch of uh, players in one spot. In college football, uh, just one game off the top of my head, uh, USC's playing Alabama, I believe, this year in Arlington, Texas. Yeah, to lead the season off, yep. Yeah, yeah. so, Davis, what does that look like? (laughs) You know, like, California's not necessarily, it's opening slowly, but Alabama's open. Right. And so they're going to play at uh, at Jerry World. OK, so what does that look like at Jerry World? Um, and Myron Metcalf, my good friend uh, from ESPN.com, covers college athletics, asks a good question and answers it by saying, you know, can you trust these athletes to be honest? Give me the guarantee that a young man who thinks that this is the year that he's going to propel himself into the NFL that he's going to lead his team to some championship or the college football playoff. Give me the scenario where he's forthcoming about how he's feeling every day. These people go out there and play with broken limbs. They go out and play with torn ACLs and PCLs. These individuals mask their pain routinely because they don't want to affect the team. They don't want to affect their individual status. They don't want to lose their scholarships. They don't want to lose their spot on the mock draft boards. And we trust these young men to say every day how they're feeling. It ain't going to happen. Something to think about for sure. Full show tomorrow between 7 and 10. I thank you for listening. Our thanks to Sean Davis on the other side of the glass. Let's do this tomorrow, 7 to 10, for Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Hi, everybody. On ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.